Stop me if you've heard this one before, but a big man rolls into Houston and has his way with the Houston Rockets defense. First, it was Carl Anthony Towns with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and now it is Joel Embiid with the Philadelphia 76ers. But the big question moving forward is, why has Steven Silas decided to suddenly stop staggering Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr.? We're going to break it all down for you right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. As always, we thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us now is Will, a.k.a. Bias Houston. You can find him on Twitter at Bias Houston, one of the hosts of the Rockets safe spaces that have been taking the world by storm on Twitter. Will, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be here and talk Rockets basketball with you. I'm excited to have you here to talk Rockets basketball. I'm sorry we don't get to talk about a more exciting like game. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that the Rockets have found themselves at the wrong end of a lot of blowouts as yeah. of late. The most recent one coming at the hands of the 76ers final score, 111 to 91. And we still have a lot to talk about from this game. But but stop me if you've heard this one before, Will. Big man comes into Houston. Rockets have nobody to guard him, no bodies to throw at him, and he puts up insane numbers in the first quarter and then the team is able to just kind of coast the rest of the game it seems like they just went through this with the minnesota timberwolves and carl anthony towns and then on the very next day second night of a back-to-back joel Embiid walks in and does what joel Embiid does best and puts up an insane stat line it just in the first quarter he had half of his points scored by the end of the first quarter went to the free throw line like nine times the rockets did not have an answer for him all game yeah i mean talk about one just bad scheduling to have Cat um, yesterday, and then Embiid today, two of the most dominant bigs um, in the league to have them on back-to-back nights. That's that's just tough. Um, I think for this team, we struggle with, you know, one thing that we struggle with a lot is our defense, and particularly our defense um, on the interior. Um, you know, I, I'm a pretty big Christian Wood supporter, but, um, you know, even even I have to admit that uh, his, his defense, particularly um, guarding these dominant bigs at times, is pretty suspect. Um, you know, we tried to, we tried our best to uh, incorporate Daniel Thice into that starting lineup to kind of slow him, slow and beat down. As you just said, it didn't work. Not even not even remotely. You know, he had um, an explosion in that first uh, that first quarter, the first like eight minutes of the game. He was just he got everything he wanted. He wasn't struggling. It was it was light work for him. It looked it looked easy, um, and he looked like, in my opinion, he looked like the best big in the game uh, tonight. So, um, you know, that's something that we're going to have to address moving forward. Maybe trying to get Garuba involved more and see if he can kind of slow guys like this down. I mean, obviously y'all are, you're, you're going to be able to ever just stop, you know, a dominant big like Cat or Embiid, but you can try to slow them down and make the night tougher on them. And tonight uh, and, you know, yesterday, it wasn't tough at all. They, they got everything they wanted. 
you know, I, I one, I find it interesting, Will, to, to, to find out like formally that you're kind of a, a Christian Woods supporter oh, yeah. because I was kind of, you know, I was straddling the fence there for a little while, you know, not quite completely like, okay, we need to, you know, they need to move Christian Wood. That needs to be the go-to. I was sitting there kind of defending the idea that he might be able to, you know, stick around and, and be here long-term for the Rockets rebuild. And I've since kind of moved more, most, more sort, more, more so, wow, it's a good thing I don't talk for a living. Um, I have now moved more towards the side of thinking that the Rockets do need to move him. There's just so many variables that are kind of pushing my thought process that way. But I think, tonight and you already talked about it there briefly that the Rockets made the move to bring back the lineup that Rockets fans have to hell and back with with Christian Wood and Daniel Tice in the starting lineup the double big lineup now some numbers to throw out here this isn't just the worst lineup in the NBA which is a minus 26.5 net rating but it's the worst lineup of any team ever recorded in the 15 years the NBA has data available with a minimum of 150 minutes played so I did not know that. That is crazy. The the data points are there. The double big lineup is horrendous. And my problem here, though, is as as frustrated as everybody was, and the moment I saw the starters, the moment Rockets PR put the starters out, and I'm like, I gotta hit send on this tweet, and everybody's gonna light up my mentions. Um, I I I felt for Steven Silas, like legitimately, because you have a team that is skidding as bad as they have been on defense, that has struggled to contain teams that has looked lost, discombobulated. They can't get stops in transition. They can't get stops in the half court. And you've got Joel Embiid walking into town after Cat just had his way with you. I get that the numbers support that that lineup looks bad, that the double big lineup looks horrendous. But I feel like Steven Silas is catching a lot of flack when at the end of the day, what are you supposed to do? Are you going to trot Christian Wood out there to play Joel Embiid in one-on-one coverage. The only other argument that I can hear is maybe the Rockets should have gone with a game plan where you just send, a, you know, double teams, every possession at Joel Embiid, and you try and hope to make somebody else beat you. But they did that in the first meeting between these two teams. And it granted in that game, they didn't have Christian Wood or Kevin Porter Jr. playing because of the suspensions, but they opted in the minutes where Daniel Tice wasn't on the floor to throw double teams at Joel Embiid. They were kind of, specifically running Jay Shante, David Nwaba, like side-by-side tandem in that second unit when Tice was off the floor to really try and disrupt Embiid and have those two guys just kind of flash double teams at him all night. So maybe that's the argument, but I think that where I'm going with this is I think this is more so of an indictment on Christian Wood and his defense, as you kind of alluded to already, than it is about Steven Silas, like being in love with Daniel Tice or being in love with the double big lineup. I don't think that's the case. You know, and like, like I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Christian Wood supporter. Um, just trying to touch him brief. I think the Christian Wood trade saga has kind of been like the biggest talking point of this season, this early season, is do you trade him, do you keep him? And, you know, to start the season, I always wanted to keep him. I thought, you know, he could be, um, you know, maybe maybe not the starting big in the future because, you know, Shingun's kind of coming in and, and, and taking his claim of that spot eventually. But I thought that he could be, you know, a piece moving forward that we could – you know, until Shingun was ready to take the take the uh, take the keys from Christian Wood, that he could kind of still be that starting big for us. Um, you know, as of recently though, I still I still want to keep him. I still uh, think he's you know he can bring something to this team. But I've you know I've I've come in these recent days. I've kind of admitted that there is a very valid argument for wanting to trade Christian Wood. And if you're able to make that argument to me, yeah, we can trade him. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm gonna miss him when he's gone. I'll wish him the best wherever he is. I'll you know probably support whatever team he goes to. Um, but yeah, I, I understand if he has to get traded, I get that. Um, and then, yeah, what you were saying, uh, about the defense, man, like, like I said, he's 
part of it, you know, it, it part of it is, I think it's a team thing. First and foremost, I think the team needs to be better defensively. It's not just, I don't think you can just kind of scapegoat one person and say, you know, cause I believe um, exploding tonight. Cause I, we, um, we, uh, you know, and B had a good game, but you know, we didn't, we didn't get blown out like that. Um, but you know, against Dallas and against Minnesota the day, I want to say we put up, they was like a, they put up a combined 271 points on us. Like that's not on one person. You can't, you can't just say, oh, let's trade for this guy or trade this guy or draft this guy. And that fixes that problem. That's a team effort thing. So um, I think, you know, obviously I think Christian Wood most definitely has to be better defensively. And I think a lot of it honestly might just be because he's 6'10", but he's like 230 pounds, you know, 220, something like that. So I, I think, you know, and he's going up against guys like Embiid who are 7'1", 275, something, something crazy like that. So, you know, I, I think that's that that kind of plays a factor into it. And I think it's also like it's just an effort thing and then just – um, him knowing, you know, where to be defensively and, you know, that communication with his teammates. Um, but then, like you said, too, there was also possessions tonight um, where they, you know, they did, you know, throw, um, you know, kind of like a double team at Joel Embiid. We saw, like, there was one possession. I can't remember if it was Christian Wood or, or Daniel Thice, but one of them were were fronting, not fronting, um, posting, uh, Joel Embiid was trying to post up on them, and, you know, they were standing straight up, hands up in the air, and uh, Jason Tate came over and just stripped um, Joel Embiid and just went down the court. I, I want to say he scored out the bench, but I can't remember. But, but like that's an example of what you were saying, though. Just you know, making up for the fact that we're not the best interior, the best um, interior defense team. We can kind of throw those double teams at him and, and, and get plays like that off. It was definitely something that I wish we would have seen uh, seen a little bit more of in this game against the 76ers. Coming up, we're going to ha- have some quick-hitting thoughts on some of the other guys from this Rockets roster, and then we're going to dive into the big discussion, which is going to be, why are we not seeing Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr.'s minutes staggered? Why have they been mirroring each other's minutes over these last three, four games? We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website where you sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts and continuing on here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball as always thank you for making locked on rockets your first listen each and every day now for your second listen go check out locked on now nightly recaps of every nba game with analysis from our local experts listen to locked on now on apple podcast spotify or watch it on the locked on nba youtube channel wherever you watch this podcast or listen to this podcast you can go check out locked on now now will let's really quick we're going to hit on these other guys from this game. Now, you you brought up the point about Jay Sean Tate, and I, I absolutely love that one play, right, where he just ripped the ball away from Joel Embiid. And, you know, he had a I, – I, looking down just kind of at the stat line for Jay Sean Tate, kind of a quiet night for him, nine points, only the one rebound, one assist, really kind of an abnormal game for Jay Sean Tate. He did have a few strong finishes at the rim, but kind of a, a subpar evening for him. And then the guy that I was really expecting to – have a a pretty decent game considering the last time that he faced Joel Embiid, he was still a piston and he put up some serious numbers against Embiid uh, was Christian Wood. And it felt like there for a brief stint, uh, I think it was 
in, either into the first quarter or top of the second quarter where Christian strung together, like, I think it was a like he had a three and then a bucket like right at the rim. And it felt like he was kind of like getting it together offensively. But throughout the rest of the game, he just couldn't piece it together. Only 14 points and six rebounds in 36 minutes played. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember that uh, that string you're talking about. I think it was in the second quarter, I believe, where he kind of um, he went on like a run where you said he had a three. He was uh, getting into the paint. He was, you know, it was a possession. He like a, had like a floater that he got fouled on it, you know, you know, still made that one. Um, but, you know, and, and like I said, is a Christian with supporter. Um, it was it was nice to see him go on that little run, you know, and kind of go match up with Embiid. But the problem is, is every point he scored, he also gave up probably the same amount of points on the other end. Um, you know, like I said, I don't want to blame just him. You know, like I said, it's it's, it's just a t- it's a team effort in general. But but like I said, it's it's tough to to really talk about like an impact on the game if for every point you're scoring, um, you're giving up you know the same amount of points or just or more on the other end. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Jay Sean Tate, he had a quiet night. Um, he's he's usually, you know, in my opinion, if you would have asked me maybe like a month ago who our most consistent player was, I would either told you it was either Eric Gordon or Jay Sean Tate. Like, I think Tate has been consistent this entire season. He's someone who I think has taken a, a big leap in his game. Um, you know, I, I, I've always kind of thought Jay Sean Tate could be a starting caliber player on this team. We we do become, you know, championship contenders again. I know that's not, you know, may not be a popular opinion, um, but but like I said, I believe in Jay Sean Tate like that. I think he's just one jump shot, consistent jump shot away from being, you know, that concrete starter. Um, he goes out there and gives you 110%. He'll jump on loose balls. He'll throw his body, try to get the rebound. He'll go out there and guard whoever you ask him to guard. You know, he may not, he may not be, you know, Kawhi Leonard with the defense, but he'll go out there and try to guard Russell Westbrook. He'll try to guard LeBron. He'll try to guard Anthony Davis. He'll try to guard those guys. And, you know, he'll do, as best of a job as you can ask a guy who's six four to do. And so, you know, I, I think every championship team needs a guy like that, just, you know, for lack of a better term, just a dog, you know, a guy who, you know, the, the Patrick Beverly, the the PJ Tuckers, the guys who, you know, just don't care. They'll sacrifice their body on a day-to-day, night-to-night basis and, you know, do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, that's I think that's Jay Sean Tate for us. So, like I said, I think as long as he can develop that, you know, respectable three-word defense is just, just can't leave him wide open, he's going to be, you know, I, I think he's going to be amazing. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I've I've had high praise for Jay Sean, you know, many a time, and I, I do think that you know that consistent jumper is the key to unlocking his game. Because um, there are times right where the defense just completely you know, like ignores him or sags off him, and it's it's mind boggling for a guy that I love to watch play as much as I love watching Jay Sean. Seeing him like with the ball at the top of the you know at the at the three point line, and there's a big who's like. 10 feet away from him and he could easily take like the wide open shot. And he's not even looking to shoot sometimes. Like he's yeah. just looking for the dribble handoff and that's it. Like he doesn't even acknowledge the fact that the big is not checking him whatsoever. Those moments can be a little bit frustrating. Cause I'm like, no, like if he had a consistent jumper, then it would pull the defense further out. And so that is, you know, kind of the one net negative to his game, but he brings you so much else across the table, the playmaking, the defense, the ability to score inside at just six, four, some of the shots that he makes, you know, down low in the paint in the land of the trees are ridiculous because I'm just like, how is he even getting these shots off? But the other guy, but before we dive into our, our whole, you know, KPJ Jalen green stuff from this game and kind of looking at taking a look at their play in this game, as well as, you know, moving forward, what, what should happen with their minutes and why are they not being staggered? Uh, Daniel Tice actually had a really solid game. Like, you know, and I'm sure Rockets fans don't want to hear that, but he was good. Like he had 12 points, shot four or seven from the floor, three of five from three. Unfortunately, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid and he's still going to get what he wants defensively or, you know, even with Tice guarding him 
although Tice had some decent defensive possessions on him. And then unfortunately it's just on offense. Defenses just don't respect his three ball. Like even when he had the shot, even, even though he had the shot falling in this game, shot 60% from behind the arc, defenses are just willing to give him that shot. Like if Daniel Tice is going to shoot eight for 10 from three or something, and that's the reason you lose, they're like, all right, that's the one time he's ever going to do that. And then we'll take our chances, you know, in the next 82 times that we play Daniel Tice, that he's not going to shoot 80% from the three point line. And so it's kind of like one of those reputation things at this point, where if Tice is on the floor, it just shrinks everything else and makes it that much harder for KPJ, Jalen Green, Josh, uh, DJ, for them to get anything going as far as driving lanes and stuff towards the rim because you've got Embiid and Drummond and everybody else just camped so far down in the paint that it prevents you from getting anything done. Point, you know, case in point here, the Rockets only had 28 paint points in this game. They could get nothing going downhill towards the towards the paint against the 76ers because the spacing was just off like again no spacing just vibes when it comes to the double big lineup but um let's let's get into Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. because they both had well Jalen Green had a he had an all right game I think wouldn't you say when how how would you rate Jalen Green's game on a scale of one to ten Six and a half, seven. It wasn't. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't. You know, nothing that you're gonna write home about either. So, you know, uh, you know, we'll take it for his rookie year and we'll keep it pushing. And I think if you're if you're looking at his game specifically, I think the number that stands out, unfortunately, for Jalen Green is the seven turnovers. Yeah. And a big chunk of those, like I want to say, like three or four of those, were just because he just didn't have. Like a like he was just very very loose with his handle right where there were a couple times like I mean like Corkmaz like picked him at one point early in the game yeah. and I was thinking like okay if you've got Corkmaz like picking your pocket and just because you have a loose dribble like that that can't fly so seven turnovers is really rough and a big part of that was just because the handle is not being taken care of and he's being a little bit too loose with it but that's something that can be worked on and, and groomed over time now on the flip side with Kevin Porter Jr. I think he did have a yeah, bad he had, game. He had a bad game. And his game ended with the, so, you know, he, his finishing stat line, eight points, six rebounds, five assists, four turnovers, just two of nine from the floor. And then zero of five from three missed all five yeah. of his three point shots. And he ended the night with a frustration foul on Charlie Brown jr. Just Charlie Brown jr. Coming across the court in transition. He's about to get, you know, basically a breakaway bucket for free. And, KPJ just walks into him and just shoulder checks him. And I remember thinking like literally as it happened, I went, Oh damn. Like I, I mean, I was shocked kind of because I I immediately knew that's going to be a flagrant two. You're going to get tossed for that. Didn't make a play for the ball completely just went straight for Charlie Brown. And it was, it was kind of disappointing to see that be the end of KPJ's night, uh, you know, in this one. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. Uh, uh, you know, we, we all know about KBJ's history and, you know, the problems that, you know, resulted in him coming here, you know, resulted in him dropping, you know, from being this high-level pick to going number 30, you know, going to the Cavs and the Cavs trading him here. Like, we we know we know all about that. So it was disappointing to me, I guess, like you said, to see that's the way his night ended. You know, he's a guy who I think a lot of the way Kevin Porter Jr. plays on a night-to-night basis is predicated on his mentality today, where his head's at. If he's in a, you know, if he – comes out and hits the first couple of shots and, you know, gets that rhythm going. He's going to have a good game. And you'll see him, like, celebrating, running up and down the court, you know, hitting a little dance move or whatever, and, and he's happy. And, like, that's when he plays really well. But when there's nights like this 
where the defense frustrates him. He's not getting what he wants. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it shows in his play. Um, you know, I think, you know, just kind of going back to the to the day where, you know, the incident with him that resulted in him getting suspended. I think that was you know, an example of a time where he was he was in a rhythm. He was you know, he was having a great start to the game. And then, you know, Silas called that timeout when he was about to ISO. I forgot who, who he's ISOing on. He put the ISO on somebody. Silas called the timeout. You kind of see, um, you know, it frustrates KPJ and Jalen kind of puts his hands on his head. They both kind of got dejected. The difference is Jalen, you know, when something doesn't go Jalen's way, he doesn't care. He'll keep shooting. KPJ is a little bit different. He, you know, he needs that rhythm. He needs that consistency. Um, and so, you know, when that when that happened, I think that's what took him out of the game. Um, but as far as like his game today, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the, the the huge issue with Rockets Twitter with him is that, you know, he's not a point guard. He, is he a point guard? Is he not a point guard? And, you know, we can talk about that later if that's something on the on the on the menu. But I think, you know, as far as his game goes today, the problem really wasn't, you know, if he shot better, he he would have had a good game because he, he said he was at like what six rebounds, five assists, something like that. Like that's it's a solid stat line for your point guard, you know, who's still in the position, you know, five or six, six rebounds. Like that's pretty solid. The problem is, is he shot with, like you said, like two for nine. Um, so if, if he gets to converting that, uh, you know, getting that down to maybe like four for nine, five for nine, like he, we, we look at this game a little bit different. We don't say, you know, you might give the Jalen Green but we might not say it's, you know, it's a good game. We're not going to say it's a bad game either. And I think a lot of what results in KBJ, you know, his regression and his efficiency this year, a lot of it is just his shot selection. You know, uh, it was, it was a possession tonight. Um, I believe it was right before halftime where he tried to get a two for one opportunity and he like took an off balance and it's like, that's just not a good shot. You know what I'm saying? That you, We know you're talented at scoring KBJ. We know you can, you know, hit those, those big time step back threes against, um, I forgot what it was it Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Against Washington. He can hit those big time step back threes. But like at that point in time, we could, we could have got a better shot than a off balance, you know, half hearted three attempt in that, you know, and he takes a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh fade away mid ranges. And it's just like, I mean, when they fall, they're good and you like it. But, you know, tonight when they don't, you know, you look and say, well, maybe if you took less, you know, off-balance threes and fadeaway mid-ranges, you know, maybe you would maybe you would go four for nine. Maybe you would go five for nine. So I, I think that's, you know, that's the reason why he struggles today. Yeah, I mean, and it's in conjunction, too, with the whole – the double big lineup is back, the way that Philadelphia was defending this team. Same, A lot of the same struggles that we saw – in the first meetup between these two teams, you know, they just didn't have a resolution going into this one because they still had to, or not had to, but they still opted to play Daniel Tice. And so we saw them struggle again offensively and then defensively. The woes have just continued where they haven't been able to contain the dominant bigs like Joel Embiid. And then they have struggled to contain teams uh, in transition as well. This, the, thankfully the, the, 76ers didn't go off in transition, but they did capitalize on the fact that the Rockets turned the ball over a ridiculous amount in this, in this game. They had 21 turnovers to the tune of 29 Philadelphia 76ers points. So the turnovers, again, we, we already highlighted the seven from Jalen. KPG had his four. There were miscellaneous other turnovers from the rest of the team. Uh, and that's just kind of what resulted in this loss. But coming up, we're going to dive into the minute staggering debate between uh, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. Should they stagger? Should they not stagger? We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Make a little bit of money with Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Now, Will, where are you on the on the stance of 
should KPJ and Jalen Green be getting their minutes staggered? Because they started the season earlier, you know, and they were getting staggered as far as their minutes go. And I guess this is a good, as good a point as any for uh, me to pull up this awesome handy dandy chart that I have. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm pulling up a chart. I'll do my best to describe it as I pull it up. But um, this is courtesy of uh, playbyplaystats.com. And so it's a breakdown of the minutes distribution for Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, when they're on and when they're off. And so if you're looking at it on YouTube, um, the orange is when they're both on the floor. The blue is when it's just Kevin Porter Jr. on the floor. And the green is when it's just Jalen Green on the floor. Um, that is a happy coincidence that I did not actually set yeah. that up that way. Yeah, I didn't I pick the color green. <laughs> um, no, it worked out that way. But in these last now four games, so the, the chart is only up to date through the Minnesota Timberwolves game, but now it includes the uh, most recent game against the 76ers that we've been breaking down and talking about. Over these last four games, they haven't been staggered at all. But then you go back and you look at the couple games that you had Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green in the lineup after Jalen Green made his return in the Indiana Pacers game. You have this one right here, so it's just Jalen. Then you have a game where Jalen misses, then you come back and you've got Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, their first game back together against the LA Lakers. And they stagger their lineup a little bit. Like both of them, you have some little little gaps where it's, you know, just KPJ, just Jalen, you know, all throughout this game. And then they do the same thing again against the Miami Heat. You have a little bit of staggering between those guys. And then the same thing, you can go all the way back to the beginning of the season. You see lots of staggering. But over these last four games, they haven't staggered them at all. And frankly... Will, I can't wrap my head around it, and I really wanted to ask Steven Silas about it post-game, and I didn't get a chance to after this game against the 76ers, and I promise that I'm going to as soon as I get an opportunity to ask Silas why, but where do you stand? Do you see, do you want them to be staggered? Do you think it's okay that they're not being staggered? What are you seeing right now? Well, I actually, I put out a tweet um, earlier today where I went back and I, like, searched the word staggered on my Twitter account and screenshotted, like, a bunch of tweets from, like, October, November. And I posted, and I was saying, like, I had actually – I've been wanting them to stagger KPJ and Jalen's minutes this entire season. I feel like, um, you know, they're two very explosive, promising young talents at the guard position. We should have at least one of them on the floor at all times. I don't think there should ever be a moment in the game where, you know, both Jalen and KPJ are on the bench. I think the offense stagnates, and then we're wasting development time in, that, in, in, the, in those minutes. And so, you know, I, I think a good comparison for where we should – maybe not – a hunt, like a one-to-one type um, uh, deal, but like uh, an idea of what we could do about the staggering is how um, Mike Dean Tony used to stagger Chris Paul and James Harden and then Russell Westbrook and James Harden, where, you know, both of them would start the game, uh, you know, halfway through the first quarter. Uh, you know, when we had Chris Paul, Chris Paul would go to the bench, James Harden would finish the quarter, then the second quarter would start, Chris Paul would come in, James Harden would go to the bench, and then halfway through the second quarter, James Harden would come back and Chris Paul would, you know, be, would be back and they would finish the quarter together. Rinse and repeat in the second half. I, you know, like I said, may not may not be that extreme with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., but something to that extent where, you know, you sub one of them out, maybe at like the four or three minute mark, you let the other one finish the quarter, then you bring the other one in at the start of the second quarter, you know, maybe give them a breather halfway through that, but then you know, you finish the quarter out with both of them and you do the so do the same thing in the um in the in the fourth, I mean the second half. Uh, so like I said, I, I think we should have been doing that. I don't really know why. I think they're trying to see if you know, what happens if you play them together all the time? I don't really know why that is. Cause like, you know, I, I like KBJ and I like them when the ball's in his like, I believe in him as a point guard, but there are times when like, I want to see what Jalen Green can do, uh, you know, as a primary ball and as a primary facilitator. I want to see what that looks like. And I want to see what, what, uh, what Je- I mean, what Kevin Porter can do, Kevin Porter can do 
when he, um, you know, he doesn't have to worry about getting Jalen Green touches. He can just go out there and be him. Um, and so, like, I, I don't really know. Like I said, if you ever get, um, ever get Silas to answer that question, you're gonna, you're gonna do numbers because <laughs> nobody knows at this point. You know, my my two observations on this, and just again, this is me kind of spitballing as to maybe why they're doing it. Is so. First off, you can go with. I think that ultimately. Maybe it, it has something to do with Josh Christopher and his increased role in that second unit. So it's possible that they are deciding to not stagger KPJ and Jalen Green because they want Josh Christopher to have the opportunity to kind of have the ball in his hands and kind of be running that second unit with guys, which is kind of what we've seen. He's basically, up until tonight, he's basically taken over the kind of spot minutes for DJ Augustine and the, yeah. that second unit, he's kind of been in there with at times, right? Like kind of Eric Gordon in the backcourt and it's kind of been them running the show as the backcourt for the Rockets. But that's kind of the first thought that I had. And then the other thought that I had as far as not necessarily why they're doing it, but why I'd like to see them go back to staggering them and not mirroring their minutes is because it really feels to me, Will, that when, Jalen and KPJ are on the floor. I think that Jalen is significantly less aggressive and he defers way too much to KPJ. Like it's, you know, it's basically, I don't want to say it's like the KPJ show when he's out there and when they're both out there, but it's, I don't, and again, maybe it's some dynamic like, oh, he's, you know, he's the vet or he's, you know, the big brother, right? So I'm just going to defer to him. And, but I do think that that's kind of like you look around the league at some of the other rookies, right? You look at at Cleveland with Evan Mobley, you look at Detroit with Cade Cunningham, even Orlando with with Jalen Suggs, and they're all making it a point to like highlight and place an emphasis on their rookie, right? On their top yeah. pick, they're like, "This is our guy. This is our our future franchise, our cornerstone, or whatever." And that's been one of the biggest gripes this season is the Rockets really haven't done that with Jalen Green. Like it feels like at times he's not necessarily like iced out of the offense, but just he's not a focal point for what they're doing. He goes, you know, multiple possessions in a row or an entire possession without ever touching the basketball, spotting up in the corner and not being involved. And I think that's kind of a disservice to him at this point where I, I don't want to completely like, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw Steven Silas under the bus and be like, what's happening here. But I do think it has something to do with the fact that they've been trying to kind of grow and develop Kevin Porter Jr. as a point guard at the same time that they're trying to grow and develop Jalen Green in his rookie season. And there's not like a clear hierarchy of who the focal point or who the number one option is in this Rockets offense. Like I went back and I even pulled up their, uh, their like basketball reference pages and I just sorted by the number of field goal attempts that they've had on the season if you had to guess right now, what's the most number of shot attempts Jalen Green has had in one game this season? Uh, I think it's no more than 20. You are on the money. It is exactly 20, and okay. that was uh, in the loss against the Pistons. But that's the only time he's cracked 20. Wow. And then past that, it goes, you know, he's got he's got 18. He had that against Boston, 18 shot attempts against Boston, uh, his 30-piece his night, his career high. Uh, he had another, he had 17, a, a few 16s, 15, 14. And so, and then you look at Kevin Porter Jr. And it's kind of, it's, it's actually very eerily similar how their shot distribution is kind of the same. And that might be kind of the crux of why this is an issue. KPJ's most shot attempts in a single game was 17. And then you kind of go down the line. It's, you know, a lot of 17, some 16s, 15, 14, you know, kind of in that mid teens area. But I think that's kind of the problem that I'm seeing is, 
I, I think that there's an issue here where the Rockets went into the season, right? Trying to figure out, okay, we need to figure out what we've got with KPJ. Maybe he's the point guard of the future. Maybe he's not, but we got to figure it out. We got to see what he's capable of. And I'm, I'm still not off that train yet. I still want to see what KPJ has, but at this point, I think that KPJ and the like experiment with him as the point guard might be infringing upon and kind of inhibiting Jalen Green from his development as the number two overall pick and you know a potential future star for this Rockets team. Am I off base here? How do you feel about that? Um, I think there's validity to that to that um, to that point. I think you know I think there is a world where Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green both get the necessary shots and reps, you know, at, at their own individual roles to to develop into, you know, our point guard and shooting guard of the future. I think there's, there's definitely a world where that happens. Um, you know, I, I do, I agree uh, heavily with the point where you said, where it seems like at times, you know, for like, for, for better or for worse, Jalen Green defers to Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, when they're on the court together. He'll go sit in the corner and he'll just kind of look at him. If, if Kevin kind of most of them come off the screen, he'll come off the screen and kind of catch it. But he kind of lets KPJ dictate what he does in those moments. And, you know, I forgot what game it was. It might have been, the game he got 30, but it was, you know, they, I think, I don't know if Silas said it or if KPJ said it, but in the post game, they said one of the reasons Jalen was able to get the, you know, go off of that 30 point game was because Kevin Porter Jr. said, Hey, it's your turn, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to defer to you today. It's, you know, it's your time to run the show. So um, I think for them, it's all about finding that balance between, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. You know, and what he needs to, what he needs to do to develop as the point guard and Jalen Green, what he needs to do to develop as your number two overall pick, you know, your franchise piece. Um, and I think I, I think that there's a world where that happens. I think it, all, it, it it starts with you know staggering him. I think it starts with with you know letting KPJ run the show uh, when Jalen's on the bench, and then when when KPJ goes to the bench, let Jalen run the show. And then you know we then they can you know they can come out and get their own shots. They can you know play to their strengths. You know run the office the way they want to run it. You know and then you know come back in you know at, at the end of the half and then kind of just unite those forces and then try to you know finish out strong. Um, I want to touch on what you said about um about Josh Christopher. I, I I agree with that too. I think that the franchise is trying to kind of give him that DJ Augustine role, that kind of backup ball handler role. I I don't know if you feel this way, but I see a lot of not not necessarily in play style, but as as far as roles go, I see a lot of Eric Gordon in Josh Christopher. You know, whereas you know, like I say, where Chris Paul and James Harden is is KBJ and Jalen Green. I could see Jacob being the Eric Gordon to that to that ta- that duo tandem. Where he um he comes off the bench because you know back when when D'Antoni was here, um the way it worked is is, is like I said um, Chris Paul would come go to the bench and Eric Gordon would sub in for him and then you know James Harden would sub out for Chris Paul and then it would be the Chris Paul Eric Gordon show and I could see that being with the Rockets you know they do the thing where it's Kevin Porter Jr. then Jacob and then Josh Christopher and um, Jalen Green and Jacob I, I could see that working out and then you you still kind of get the best of those worlds where you kind of give Jacob you know those. Um, those on-ball minutes, you know, those reps where you can kind of control the tempo of the game. But then you also, you don't have, you know, two of your, theoretically your best players on the bench at the same time. So, you know, that's how no, I feel I, I, I absolutely, I'm right there with you. You know, I think that, I think that a lot of people forget about how, like, explosive, like, young EG was, like, earlier yeah. in his career. And I think you see a lot of that same like explosiveness and like just raw athleticism with Jacob. Like he had, right. He had the two dunks against the, uh, against the Timberwolves that were insane. Like the one where he like hammered it. Now it wasn't quite like a poster. It was kind of a poster, right. Where he like drove the ball in and like, yeah. So, I mean, he's got like the raw athleticism and he's really, he's put in a lot of work on his shot. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is like when you, like when you're there or when I'm there, like early at Toyota center, like just kind of, you know, 
milling about, whatever, hanging out, waiting for you know Silas's pregame presser, like watching them do their warmups. Uh, Josh Christopher has put in so much work into his jump shot, and like credit to Coach Barbara Turner as well, who like works tirelessly with him, one of the assistant coaches for the Rockets. She's put in a lot of work with him, and he has done an incredible job, like getting his jumper to a really consistent place. And he said that the other day, like that's you know one of the areas of growth that he felt like he's made a a big push in from like the start of the season to now is really working on that jump shot. But I think for me, Will, one of the kind of disappointing things is since KPJ, and this will kind of be like our final point that I want to throw in here is just since KPJ has come back from, you know, being out that second time, the extended, you know, the extended outage, I feel like he was kind of getting better and getting away from, you know, it felt like early season, right? He would do a really bad job of like picking up his dribble way too early and having like no outlet for it. Like just kind of dribbling the air out of the ball, trying to make a move. And then like, he thinks he has the guy. So then he picks up the ball and then there's like literally no outlet. Like nobody's cutting, nobody's moving, nobody's open. He didn't actually break down the defender. And he's like, you know, just in that 15 to 18 foot range with nothing happening. Right. And it felt like he kind of got away from that, especially in that stretch right when they started the win streak, the seven-game streak. Things looked pretty solid for KPJ in the few games that he played in there. And it felt like he was finally getting you know, an understanding of his role. He wasn't picking up his dribble a lot. He was keeping it alive. He was finding the right shooters, all this stuff. It feels like he's kind of regressed. And there was one possession in this game where like, it was just him and like Daniel Tice for the entire possession, like, and it was like a, you know, pick and roll screen, then like a rescreen, then like another. And I, I don't even remember how the possession ended. It didn't end with a bucket. That's that much. I know I may, it might've been a step back three for KPJ. It might've been a shot for Tice. I honestly can't remember because my brain was just kind of like glossing over thinking like these two guys are icing out the other three guys on the court and it's painful to watch. And so I feel like he's regressed a little bit as far as like really actively looking to get others involved, which is kind of disappointing to see. Yeah, I think I, I remember that stretch you're talking about. I think it was like the first three games. I think he played in the first three before he re-injured himself uh, on that seven-game win streak. And he looked amazing in those first three games. Like that was that's the version of Kevin Porter Jr. You know, the start of you know what I want to see him become. That's what I that's what I when people say you know he's not a point guard, I say well look at those games. Those are games where he played the point guard position. He's not you know he's he's never going to be Chris Paul or like Ricky Rubio, but he, you know he plays his version of the point guard position and he killed it. He did a great job. Um, and I think one of the reasons that, um, that allowed him to be successful in those moments was him and Christian Wood had a really good pick and roll game going on at that point in time. They were, um, you know, like it was so many possessions where like at the start of the game, they would just run a pick and roll. Uh, Christian would slip, lob, and it's 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 a, it's a dunk and, you know, they're going back the other way. And they, 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 they used to connect on that all the time. I don't remember the last time we've seen a Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr. connection on the alley. And like that, that right there was like, a huge thing. That's one of the reasons why I want to keep Christian Woods because I, I I saw how important that connection was for Kevin Porter Jr.'s development as a point guard. And so I haven't seen that, um, you know, since he's came back from the injury the second time. Um, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because, you know, they they don't like that play no more. Or if, you know, Christian Wood doesn't like setting screens or KB doesn't want, you know, sc- screens from Wood. And I don't, I don't know why, but um, that was a really good way for Kevin Porter Jr. to rack up, you know, three to four assists a night, which is just running the pick and roll, Christian Wood, you know, finding him, you know, the bounce passes or the the lobs, and then you know, even if Christian Wood is so, such a um a dominant offensive big, but so a lot of times Kevin Porter Jr. would get those open, you know, those open shots, and he could you know capitalize off of that. I haven't seen you know a lot of that um lately from Kevin Porter Jr. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why he's kind of regressed is that he's not really playing to his strength. Which his strength, like I said, I think was getting that pick and roll Christian Wood, 
Um, and I think he's, like I said, I think he's getting into his head too much. I think he's trying to prove that he is, you know, because Jalen Green's been looking really, really good um, lately. He's been, you know, having that stretch, uh, you know, that we we thought we would see from him when we drafted him. You know, I, I don't know exact number he's averaging right now, but it's, it's looking really good for him. And, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. looks at Jalen Green as someone who's like his little brother, and right now his little brother is playing way better than him. And so I think Kevin Porter Jr. is trying to prove Hey, I'm still, you know, not not trying to take away from Jalen Green, not trying to, you know, compete with him, but just saying like, hey, like we're both good, like we're both the future of this team, we're both the franchise pieces, and you know, he can go off, I can go off too, and I think he's trying to to force. That's why you see him take these and you know, these weird shots. You're like, eh, you probably could have got a better shot if you just, you know, didn't fade away, just you know, just take a regular shot. So I, I think that's, you know, he he's he's in his head too much right now. Um, you know, I think he he had the quote. Um, I forgot what game was after where he said, like, you know, he started the season trying to be a traditional point guard. That's not him. He, he wants to play scoop ball. I haven't seen, you know, the scoop ball from him lately. He's not really been been doing that. Um, and so, you know, it, like I said, it's disappointing, like you said. Um, but I, like, I believe in him. I believe that he can turn it around. Um, I believe that he's he can still become that point guard of the future. I could see, you know, in the future, uh, he could, you know, average somewhere around 23, 24 points and seven, eight assists on a night-to-night basis. Like, I could see that from him. Um, and so, you know, I really do hope that he turns it around, he figures it out. You know, I, I know he's not the, the most popular person on Rockets Twitter right now, him and Christian Wood. But, um, but you know, I, I still believe in him. I still believe that he can turn it around and, and we can get, uh, you know, get right back on track. The only person popular on Rockets Twitter right now is Usman Garuba, and that's because he's not playing. The moment he starts playing, Rockets Twitter is going to find a way to bash him. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's just yeah, how that's it goes, what, right? Yeah, that's what I said earlier. I was like, you know, we're the fan base isn't going to be satisfied until – we turn on everybody in the, in the um, on the team. You know, we're going to turn on everybody at the point in time. It's disappointing. We need to expect better from Rockets fans. I need y'all to be better. Come on. We, we are, we collectively, we can be better than this. But, Will, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Yeah. Let everybody know where they can track you down at. Yeah, you can um, follow me at Bias Houston on Twitter. Like he said, um, I'm one of the the hosts for the spaces. We, um, we had one yesterday where we kind of discussed um, the game. We had a really, really long and animated conversation about Ben Simmons to the Rockets, so. Um, you know, catch us there on, on the spaces. And yeah, man, that's where you can find me. Appreciate it, Will. Thanks for stopping by, man. Thank you. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check us out on YouTube. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.